Welcome to the Farm Beats podcast. Farm Beats is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by the students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Beats podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, Farm Beats followers, and welcome to another episode of the Farm Beats podcast. I'm José Cesario. And I am Zipa. We are glad to have you with us as we begin diving into the topic of digital pest management. Today, we are joined by Carlos Pisolotto, plant pathologist at the CCGL. CCGL has developed technology to help with digital pest management for farmers in Brazil. With that, let's jump into this episode with Carlos. Thank you very much, Carlos, for being here today with us. It's a pleasure to have you on board. I would like to start first. Can you introduce yourself and share your background in education and work with the CCGL and RTC for us, please? Thanks so much, guys, for the invitation. That's a, a pleasure to talk to you guys. Uh, my name is Carlos Pizzolotto. I am a PI implant pathology at CCGL. So CCGL is a central cooperative gaúcha. Gaúcha means like... Uh, something or someone that comes from Rio Grande do Sul State, you know. So I am from Brazil, you know. Uh, I have been working uh, with uh, disease management and uh, predictive models, you know. Here in Brazil, the, the most important crops are soybean, corn, and wheat. And I, I have been working with these crops. So uh, I am a agronomist engineer. Uh, I got my master's and my PhD uh, in plant protection, you know, and uh, I spent two two years in the United States in University of Idaho, uh, where I was a, a postdoc fellow, and I have been working with uh, potato late blight. Okay, so uh, it's a little bit uh, about me. Yeah, that that sounds very interesting regarding your education background and and your current works. Can you please provide us uh, some more uh, overview about the CCGL and RTC and what works currently are being carried out from these cooperatives? Sure. So uh, CCGL is considered uh, one of the largest cooperatives in, in Brazil. It has more than uh, 171,000 uh, growers. And uh, to help make uh, its activities more competitive, members have support from units, you know, specialized in applied technologies in farming, logistics, logistics, and their products. So here in CCGL, we, we have three different units. Uh, okay. So so the first unit is logistic unit. Okay. The logistic unit of CCGL, CCGL consists of a Termasa and a Tergrasa uh, terminals. So it's responsible for the receipt, the storage, and the dispatch of agricultural book, book goods at the Rio Grande port, okay? So together, the terminals uh, handle around 14 to 15% of the exports of Brazilian soybeans and 52% of a grain in Rio Grande do Sul, okay? The second unit is, is the technology unit, that unit I have been working, okay? So this unit carries out experiments and developments and disseminating agricultural technology, okay, and practice to help uh, 
rural farms or growers to be sustainable and profitable. And we have another uh, unit that's a dairy product unit, okay? So we have been working with milk too. So uh, CCGL is the, is the largest company that works with a powder milk, you know, in the, in the Latin America, okay? So we have a capacity to work with like around 3 million uh, liters of milk per day. Okay, so here we have three different units, okay? I have been working in the technology unit. In this case, we have the RTC. So what means RTC is like a cooperative technical network. So we have been working with 30 different cooperatives. So why we have this uh, cooperative technical network? To provide information, to generate science, to help these cooperatives, you know, to take the, the best decisions in the field. Like in my area, for example, I have been working with a fungicide, you know? So we carry out the same experiment in different uh, cities in Brazil, you know, in different uh, uh, fields to assess these different fungicides to control the main diseases in soybean, like uh, Asian cypermust, powder mildew, you know? So it, it's a little bit about the, the, the RTC. That's amazing, Carlos. That's a great overview. And it's it's nice how the co-op can diversify the, the areas that they've been working. And you mentioned about the region of Brazil where you are at, is south of Brazil, right? Could yes. you describe a little bit for our listeners about this region? How is the temperature there, the precipitation? How does this affect the environment for the agriculture? Sure. So, uh my state, Rio Grande do Sul, you know, it's located in the southernmost part of the country. So uh, I will talk a little bit about our summer, you know, just uh, is the second summer in raw that we have a, a bad conditions for, for crops, you know, just it's, it's pretty, pretty dry, you know, and then not too much rain. So uh, like for soybean, that's the most important crop here in Rio Grande do Sul. We, ha we had two bad years, you know, so like uh, we are waiting that uh, it can improve, you know, a little bit in the spring and we can have a little bit more rain, you know, just uh, because uh, in this season, you know, just we are going to, to grow wheat, you know, that's another important crop uh, for us. That sounds like a very diverse environment, very affected by climatic conditions and hope like the spring, the rain brings some hope to the farmers affected by the bad, dry summers. So on that context, uh, you previously mentioned that soybean is one of the most important crops. What other crops are uh, very important to the farmers in this region of the Brazil? And what is the common kind of crop rotation that the farmers practice? Okay. That's a interesting question because uh, in Brazil we used to grow uh, soybean and corn in the summer season and the winter season used to grow uh, wheat, canola and the rapeseed. Okay, so generally uh, growers used to grow wheat in the winter time and soybean or corn in the summer time. That's that's interesting. We do have some of these crops here, right, Deepak? <laughs> oh, yeah. More, more corn, right, in Nebraska, but <laughs> sure. yeah. I'll try to diversify a little bit. So 
Based on that, Carlos, what are the primary diseases that the farmers face problem imagine these crops on this region? Okay, so that's important to say uh, in Brazil, we have been wor working uh, since 80s to 90s with a no-tillage system, you know. So the, the first thing that the growers in the south of Brazil should pay attention is about the necrotrophic fungus, you know. Like uh, in Brazil, the two most important necrotrophic fungus, they are Cercospora kikushi and the Septoria glycinis. So Cercospora kikushi causes uh, Cercospora uh, leaf blight and the Septoria glycinis causes Septoria brown spot. So generally, growers should pay attention for these diseases in our system, you know, in the no tillage system. Okay, that, uh, that brings us like towards more uh, disease and what farmers should be careful while growing these different kinds of crops. So uh, on this note, like, can you please mention like what are some of the traditional methods that are being used by farmers for monitoring crop diseases? So uh, I think that uh, the the most important thing that we need to say here that uh, uh, in Brazil, uh, it, it's pretty new, you know, just to use uh, spore trapping and predictive models to take a decision, you know. When I come back to Brazil from the United States, I introduced or I set up a new project here in the south of Brazil to monitor this disease, okay? So here in Brazil, you know, in the south of Brazil, we have 25 spore sites to monitor the inoculum, you know. So the idea is to monitor this inoculum for some diseases and use, they, use this, day, this data in a predictive models to help growers to take a decision, you know, to spray fungicide or not, okay. So uh, I would say that that's pretty new in Brazil, you know, just using uh, predictive models, but we are using now spore trapping to monitor this, this disease. That's amazing, Carlos. And for these models that the co-op that you're working have been using, what are the main factors that these models considers? Like it's based on weather, what kind of prediction does these models do? Right, right. Uh, that's a good question, Jose. Uh, you know, in these uh, predictive models, we are using some uh, weather data, you know, uh, temperature, humidity, uh, uh, rain, you know. This is pretty important because we are using observed uh, weather data and the forecasting weather data, you know. We are uh, using uh, or we are assessing IBM uh, weather data, you know, so uh, they uh, bring some forecasting data for the south of Brazil, and we combine in these models uh, observed weather data, uh, forecasting weather data, and observed data about spores. So we combine these three different uh, data to generate these predictive models. Okay, could, could you just explain for those who are not familiar what's the IBM? Weather that you mentioned. Okay, uh, IBM weather data is uh, like the, the the service that IBM pro provide for us. The forecasting data for the next 14 days. 
okay? And we use this data in our uh, predictive models. You know, just uh, the, the, the issue is uh, we need to work with predictive models to help growers to take a decision, you know, sometimes to spray or not, or to decide what kind of receiver that uh, he should use in, in, in its spray, you know? That, that sounds really interesting, like uh, using the filter weather data provided by IBM and then building them into the predictive models. On this note, uh, how accurate are these predictive models and how assured can the farmers be based on like these predictive modeling results? We have been uh, working with three different predictive models. I mean, uh, we have predictive models for three different diseases. The first one is Asian soybean rust, you know, for, for soybean. Another one, Fusarium head blight for wheat and wheat blast for rice, okay? So generally we are using uh, this kind of models just for the south of Brazil, just for Rio Grande do Sul state, okay? The accuracy of the model generally is going to 85 to 90%. Oh, that's great. So I bet it can help a lot of farmers to oh, yeah, yeah. decisions in advantage yeah, that's the main this disease. And how this can these models be integrated with the real-time spore monitoring data for more effective predictions? Okay. The main idea is uh, we are using the predictive models, predict the disease. But the thing is, when we combine the spore data, observe the weather data, and the forecast matter data, we have the disease prediction, okay? So we need to use the data coming from uh, spore trapping to validate because the model is predicting the disease. You know, it's creating a spore cloud and we need to validate this. So we use the spore trapping to validate this, this spore cloud that the model is creating, okay? So uh, when growers uh, use this, this technology, uh, they can be more uh, accurate or more assertive to take the decision to spray for the site. You know, I can give an example for you guys. When I was in, in, in Idaho, you know, working for University of Idaho, I set up a, a, sport, uh, a sport prepping network, okay, in 25, uh, 25 sport sites. And uh, we reduced the, 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 the number of sprays in potato, you know, to control late blight, okay? So how we reduce the, the number of sprays? Because when you use a technology like a predictive model, you are more accurate, you know, just like, you know the, the time or the, or the best time to spray the fungicide. The issue is when you use like a spore trapping, you know if you have or not spores in the area, right? And another point is you are, collecting some uh, potato leaves, okay? Bring to the lab, extracting DNA, and applying a QPCR, you know, to identify the fungus DNA, okay? So using both technologies, spore monitoring and collecting leaves and extracting DNA, we could detect the disease around 20 days before the visual symptoms in the field, okay? So this is the idea, you know, using this kind of technologies, to bring to grower, you know, to growers, the risk of the disease in the field. So does these models, they give like a window of time that these growers could potentially spray some fungicides to avoid the disease, for example? Right, right. Because these kind of models that we are working, 
they provide the risk of the disease in three different levels. You know, I, I try to explain uh, a little bit. You know, just uh, if you if you go to our uh, website, you know, just the, the name is Smart Cop. You know, it's like a, a English name. You know, people in Brazil like English names. You know, and so uh, if you go to Smart Cop, you see a, a map of Rio Grande do Sul State, and you can see three different colors in the map. You know, this map is bringing the risk of the disease for the the next five days, for example, okay? Then when you see the green color, it's a low risk for disease occurrence, okay? When you see the yellow color, it's the, the medium risk, you know? And you see the red color, you have the right risk, okay? So growers can take a decision to spray or not, you know, or improve the quality of the full site program, you know, using this kind uh, of models. Oh, that's amazing. So that's all for the growers that have been participating on the co-op with you, right? Right. And the nice thing, Jose, you know, just we developed a, a, a website that is the name is SmartCo. Okay. So just growers from the third cooperatives that work with us can have access of the information. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. So all growers, you know, that belong to different cooperatives can see the, the disease risk for their regions, you know? So that, that that's cool, you know, that's cool. You know, bring this kind of information for, for growth. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really important how this extension can help the growers around the state. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. It's like uh, having an idea of what disease might occur 20 days in advance will provide ample time for preparation of like either spraying or any other preventive measures. That's that's really awesome. Those of our listeners who are unfamiliar about this course, can you please explain uh, what are they and why are they important in agriculture? Okay, uh, so uh, it is a, repro a reproductive cell, you know. I mean, it's able to produce a new individual uh, either by developing by itself or after fusion with another spore, you know, just like uh, it's a reproductive cell, okay? So like uh, it can generate uh, uh, another another spore, another another fungal, you know? So on that note, like uh, what are some of the challenges that are associated with using models for spore monitoring? The idea is, uh, you know, just the, the, the challenge is, uh, I think the main one, growers use it, you know, because some growers, they have some resistance to accept this kind of idea, you know, because it, it, it's a little bit hard to understand about, you know, just uh, the first thing, you can't see a spore, you know, you need a microscope to see a spore, you know. Another thing, growers, uh, they should uh, go to the field, scout in the field, and when they see some visual symptom of the disease, they are going to spray. But the thing is, when you see the visual symptom, you are already losing youth. So uh, I think that the, the challenge is to say to grower, you know, just uh, you should use this kind of technology because you are going to be more assertive to, to, to spray fungicide in the, in the correct moment. You don't need to uh, follow your fungicide calendar, you know, just like, uh, you have this you have this technology and this technology can help you to take a, a 
the, the best decision. You know, just uh, the, the, the thing is, nowadays we have a, a fixed number of fungicide sprays, you know, and the decision uh, support systems or the, the warning systems are as eff effective as a calendar based programs in reduce disease incidents, you know, just so I think that the challenge is to, to say to growers to use this technology. That's important. And your mention about this decision of spraying the fungicide based on these modelings, but besides that, the window that these models can give for the growers to avoid the disease contamination, does these models give any sort of the quantity that they should apply as well, or is or the fungicide that they should use? No, no, no. Uh, you know, it's 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 bringing the the risk of the the disease occurrence. You know, just uh, it's like a prediction. So the main idea is to to help the grower to take a decision when spray. You know, just like uh, to be a you know to be more assertive. And then based on that, they they pick the fungicide that they want to use. And right, right. Uh, okay. No, that's great. And you mentioned also that they have access to the smart co-op, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. And how do they have access to it? Or does the co-op provide any training for that? Or is pretty user-friendly that they can just access a website? How, how does that work? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, just uh, that's a good question, you know, because uh, we are we are training the, the the technicians, you know, that works for the for each cooperative to to help growers to to have an an access in smart co. Now, so like uh, the first step is uh, when a grower is interested to to have an access in in uh, smart co, uh, he should go to the cooperative and the require an an access. You know, just uh, you need a, a login and a password. You know, so just uh, they they create. They will create for you, and you can assess the smart cope. So in the smart cope, you can find a different information like weather forecasting. You know, just like another things about what kind of fungicides you can um, spray. Uh, you know, to to keep your crop safe. You know, uh, and you can consult this kind of uh, predictive models. So uh, my understanding is. Only the members of the co-op can have access to the data, right? Yes, right. So on that note, like, uh, what do you think is uh, the potential or feasibility of scaling this project to maybe other regions of Brazil or maybe like road? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I will talk about a little bit the uh, Asian soybean rust, you know, because uh, it's the most important disease uh, in soybean for us, you know, in, in Brazil. So uh, the main idea work, uh, working with cooperatives here is not to provide the, the, the information for another state, you know. The main idea is work for our cooperatives, you know. So, but, uh, you know, just like people from Paraguay, people from another states, they require assess, you know, just they said, oh, we, we would like to use this technology, you know. So just uh, in the first moment, you know, we are working just for our cooperatives, you know. But I, I think that is like, uh, uh, it's pretty important, you know, when uh, we are going to disseminate this technology, you know, because uh, it's impacted direct to have a good yield, you know, to manage disease, you know. So uh, who knows in the future we can we can share the information 
with uh, another state and who knows with uh, another countries. Uh, the thing is, uh, smart pop is growing very well. You know, just uh, we developed this, this website in 2021. Right now, we have uh, around uh, 8,000 growers using this technology, and you know, and we have another 26,000 growers waiting to to assess. You know, they are they are ready to assess the the, the website. You know, just they are receiving some kind of training to assess the. The, the website. Wow, that's impressive. I think it would be really nice to scale this up and help oh, yeah. other growers. Yeah. <laughs> I think about a lot of regions, even here in US, that could be benefit from this kind of predicted models. And you mentioned about some impacts that can have on the growers' yield. Could you quantify the farmers' benefits in terms of profits and yields using this model? Right. Uh, in my opinion, Jose, the, 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 you know, just nowadays, uh, I think that across the world, you know, just uh, people are asking for a sustainable agricultural system, you know. So and they have uh, several key principles to reduce the pesticide use, you know, fostering the adoption of prevention measures, non-chemical control methods, and the chemical compounds uh, with lower environment impacts, you know. So when we bring this kind of technology, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, introducing for growers this uh, kind of system when we can work with uh, predictive diseases, we are impacting directly, you know, the, the reality of the, the growers, you know. So, like, the first thing is reduce the, the, the number of sprays, you know. When you reduce the number of sprays, you are having, a, a, like, a, a more health product, you know, just uh, you are reducing the, the pesticide, uh, you know, in the soil, in the environment, you know, just like, uh, I think that's the, the main issue, you know, just reduce the number of pesticide sprays in, in the soil, in the environment, you know, bring like a, a health food for people, you know, more health food for people, you know. Yeah, and as a result, they would be also saving money, right? On oh, yeah, account. right. Yeah, 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 That that's true, you know, just like I am thinking about the you know the the nature the soil the soil the environment but you know save money you know just when you cut uh, one uh, spray you know you are saving you are saving money you know yeah for sure you're right yeah of course either ecologically or economically like everything mm -hmm. that counts towards reduction of the pesticides its savings and on that note, like, have you like accounted for the actual economics of how much actually goes into savings when using uh, the predictive modeling package or like, do you have a success story that farmers might have shared with you and that you want to share to our listeners? Yeah, uh, I'll give an example uh, about the fusarium head blight. That's a pretty common disease in wheat in the south of Brazil. Because in general, you know, our spring uh, it's pre rainy, you know. So uh, the thing is, uh, the fusarium head blight is a disease, you know, that affected the wheat spike. So we should spray fungicide to control this disease, right? So we are using uh, the predictive model, you know, to be more assertive. I mean, when you should spray fungicide. So generally, growers have a fungicide spray calendar. Like they, they have some interval in each, 50, in each 15 days or in each 20 days, I need spray, right? So when you are using a predictive model, it will provide an information for you. It will say you should spray or you should not spray, 
right? So in this case, for example, sometimes we need to spray two times to control Fusano head blight. For sure, it depends the wheat variety, the, the weather condition, you know, but generally when you have like, you know, a rainy spring, they spray two times. But using this tool, you can be more assertive or what the moment you should spray. And sometimes you can spray just one time instead of two. So you can save some money. Yeah, that would be half, right? Already. And are there any ethicals or environmental concerns associated with this using of the modeling for monitoring, for example? I don't think so, Jose, because, uh, you know, the, the, the idea uh, to use uh, predictive models is, is, you know, just to reduce the number of spray, you know, just uh, to have, uh, as I said before, to have a more healthy uh, food, you know, and to reduce the contamination of the environment. So I, th I think that's a, it's a nice tool because uh, it, it helps you to to have a, a, the best decision when to spray the fungicide. And uh, in this way, you are reducing the, the pesticide, you know, in, in the environment, in the soil. Yeah, that, that really sounds impressive. And uh, as we are talking here about uh, the predictive models, we learned that the spore monitoring is one of the fundamentals input into the model. So how can, again, like the modeling be used to inform and improve the development of new spore monitoring technologies. Right. Uh, I can give an example again, you know, just uh, here in Brazil, we are using uh, a spore trapping uh, that it has a, a pump, you know, uh, and this pump uh, sucks air, you know, just like uh, sucks an, an amount of air. And when it sucks air, it's sucking spores, you know. And uh, inside the, the machine, you have uh, a glass slide, you know, the same glass slide that uh, you, you use in a microscope, in a lab, you know. And uh, in this glass slide, we have a uh, one square centimeter surface. And this surface is covered like, uh, uh, you know, just a, a, a vaseline, you know, a petroleum jelly, you know. So uh, all these spores, uh, stay adherent, you know, in the in the surface. So in, in each seven days, we remove this, uh, gla uh, this glass slide, bring to the lab to count the number of spores. And we use this information in a spreadsheet, you know, to uh, feed the, the model, you know. Uh, in Idaho, we are working with uh, a more fancy spore trapping. We had a bookard one, the bookard is 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 more uh is more advanced uh is part trapping so uh, why why it's more uh advanced because it's like a a, a compact unit you know uh with built in a, a vacuum pump designed to sample airborne particles but it can monitoring the, the spores per day different of the that I'm using Brazil that monitoring the spores per week you no know, we need seven days and when you monitor spores in, in each day, you know, you are more assertive, you know, just like you can have more accuracy in your model, you know, you can fit it better, you know. Yeah, for sure. And when you say that this model from Idaho is can predict, it can check the spores once a day, 
Do you still have to go there every day and check this? No, no. Uh, it, it's nice because it, it has like a carousel, you know, just uh, and uh, you have like a seven different microvials, okay, like an Eppendorf cube. And the machine works 24 hours and stop. So 8 a.m. the next day, he moved for the next a micro uh, micro value for the next epinor so you need to go to the field after seven days and catch the 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 seven uh microtubes or micro vials that that you use and replace for the seven new one and then you bring to the the the, the, the micro vials to the lab extract the dna you know and uh you know like a run a, a qpcr and you have like a how many femtograms of DNA per microliter that you have. So you can convert the, the name, the, 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 the femtograms per microliter in numbers of uh, spores. If you know how many femtograms each spores have, so you can like uh, make a, a calculation, you know, to know, for example, how many uh, spores you have. So still both of these, the Idaho and the one from Brazil, you gotta bring to the lab to analyze And, for sure, for right. sure. And can you, since you touch base on the QPCR, mm -hmm. just explain for those who are not familiar with that. Okay. The, the, the thing is, here in Brazil, we are not working with QPCR. Okay. We are bringing the glass slide that I said before to the lab and the reading, you know, the, the glass slide to count the number of spores. Okay. In Idaho and Kansas, you know, just during the time that I was in Kansas, in the doctor's tech lab, you are using QPCR. So the QPCR is a, a more curated method. Why? Because imagine the, 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 the situation. Uh, you are in the lab, you know, and uh, you need a says like 30 glasses lights. You know, just uh, in, in the end of the day, your eyes, they are pretty tired, you know, just like uh, because you are trying to find like a, a small particle, you, you should find a spore, you know, it's hard. So when you work with a QPCR, you are more assertive because we extract the DNA and you apply specific primers to identify just the DNA of the fungus that you are looking for. For example, We are monitoring uh, Facopsora pachyhesi here. So we need to find the spores of Facopsora pachyhesi in this light, in the glass slide, okay? When you work with uh, QPCR, we extract the DNA of the, the you know, just the, the, the solution, you know, and you apply specific, primer, specific primers to identify the DNA of the Facopsora pachyhesi, you know? It's just a machine that can... Yeah, the machine do everything, you okay. know. Great. So it's more like accurate, and it's pretty fast. Mm -hmm. You don't need to read the the glasses light. Yeah, that 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 really sounds uh, interesting. Of course, like having the opportunity or having provided with advanced equipments, the research gets easy and like more impactful. I guess. Yeah, no, that's great. And what are your thoughts on how the future of digital pest management will look like? What kind of improvements do you see in the future? I think that in the United States, uh, you know, just, uh, I have been working with Idaho yet. Just uh, 
uh, we have some projects with University of uh, Ohio. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, I think that in the United States, you are you guys, you are more advanced in in in, in this way, you know, comparing with us in Brazil. But I think that uh, we don't need think about uh, the future, you no, know, because I think that this technology is the present now. You know, like when I arrived in Brazil and I talked to the people about this one and say, oh, well, that that's nice, you know, that's impressive. But uh, you know, just like the thing is, we need to use this technology to take the right decision. We can't keep following the fungicide calendar, you know, or the fungicide spray calendar. We need to use this kind of technology, you know, just the predictive models, the spore monitoring, or collect the leaves, bring to the lab, extract the DNA, run a qPCR to try to identify the, the fungus DNA. So I I think that uh, I think in some years, you know, just uh, around the world in every place, we are going to use this kind of technology. You know, as I said before, people they are asking for a. a a health world, you know, a health agriculture, and uh, you know, we need to reduce the number of uh, fungicide spray, the herbicide spray, you know, and also, you know, in my opinion, everything is changing. You know, look to the market right now. You know, just uh, they are surfing a, a new wave. You know, that's the the biological wave. You know, so in Brazil, we are working too much with a biological control house using uh, bacillus, trichoderma to control uh, some diseases, you know. So uh, I, I think that uh, the, the things are changing pretty fast, but uh, I think that in some years, in a couple of years, every place we are going to use the predictive models, you know, in, in, the, in, the, agricultural, in the agricultural area. Yeah, that sounds really impressive. Like, uh, I think uh, along with uh, these kind of tools and modeling tools and uh, the advancement of cameras and sensors and integrating all of these into modeling to bring back out like some useful uh, guide and some useful control measures to the farmers will be really helpful uh, to the agriculture industry. Awesome. And so our very last question here at the Farm Beats, we have this tradition of asking a piece of advice from our guests. So what advice do you have for our listeners who want to use these predictive models for pest management? You know, just I think that everybody should try, you know, one time, you know, just to see some growers prefer to go to the field, as I said before, scout the, the crop, you know, to see if they find some visual symptom if they find disease. But I think that uh, we need to give the next step, you know, just we need to give to you, we need to give to use uh, these predictive models, you know, try to reduce the number of sprays, try to be more assertive, you know, just about the time to spray uh, side. And also to, to save money, you know, just like uh, we need to try to, to bring for the growers more profitable, you know, so I, I think that that's it. Thank you very much to Carlos Pizzolotto for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Beats podcast. It's really exciting to learn about the prediction of disease occurrence using models and the power that it can bring to farmers in terms of disease management. One of my favorite parts of this episode and what this company is doing is that with the help of the predictive models offered by the team, farmers are able to know about the disease occurrence around 20 days in advance of appearance of visual symptoms. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Deepak. I also think that these technologies can really help farmers to save on fungicide applications as well as improve yields and be more sustainable. I hope you enjoyed that episode and we look forward to sharing another digital egg story with you next week on Farm Beats. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Beats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the reviews section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agriculture community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the host and guest on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of The Farm Beats.